Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. Joining me for this episode, our South Carolina opponent preview is Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at WillMilesSCC and his work at Read and Reaction. Com. Will, uh, Will Muschamp will come back to the swap as uh, South Carolina's head coach. Uh, you know, his uh, time in Gainesville didn't go so well, but at South Carolina for quite some time now. And uh, got a lot of people believing that the uh, the Gamecocks can break through this season. Yeah, man. Well, hopefully he has the same kind of luck in the swamp that he had when he was Florida's head coach. And <laughs> But this time that means Florida will walk out with a win. So uh, certainly, you know, I think with some of the – some of the McIlwain shenanigans, people's hearts have uh, have healed a little bit from the Muschamp era, but uh, but he's still in the same conference, still in the same division, and going to have to take care of business when they come to Gainesville. You know, personally, I I, I like Will Muschamp. I didn't have a problem with him as a, as a person. I I you know, no, don't get me wrong. I I like Mullen. I'm glad Florida's got Mullen right now. But you know, I, I wish back back in the time, I wish it would have worked out with Will Muschamp because I actually I, I did like him, but it was time to go. Well, I mean, I think that Missouri game—it yeah. <laughs> was definitely time to go, and the South Carolina game that they lost, where they shouldn't, where there was no possible way they could lose it. Um, you know, th- those types of things seem to keep happening to him, and uh, you know, those types of not being able to get an offense for a for a team that's used to having an offense and a fan base that's used to having an offense that will eventually get you thrown out of town. And yeah, like you said, I think it was the right time to go. Certainly, some of his comments recently about. Uh, about DJ Durkin up there at Maryland to rub some people the wrong way, but he was always first class in Gainesville. And, uh, you know, I wish him the best when he's not playing Florida. Absolutely. I think they can beat Georgia week two, opening the SEC up. <laughs> uh, remember, you can find all your Gators breakdown episodes, all of our past opponent previews, all of our regular episodes at news4jacks.com slash Gators breakdown. All the Gators breakdown episodes, as well as the articles from the News for Jack sports team, that's news4jacks.com slash Gators breakdown. Catch the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube if you want the video version. And follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at Gators Breakdown. And using all of these services, please rate and review the show and let Gator Nation know what they're getting with Gators Breakdown. So, Will, it is much of the same at South Carolina as it, as it was for Florida, uh, or for Will Muschamp at Florida. Not a lot of 
not a lot of pretty offense. Uh, you know, the the defense. You know, while not uh, a stalwart, not why you know, not a a big force to be reckoned with like his like his defenses at Florida. Still aggressive, opportunistic, uh, and getting turnovers last season and opportunistic offense as well. Yeah, you know, be able to put ports on the board when they really need it. You know, they, they can hang around games. Uh, they you know, they played Georgia pretty tough last year. Georgia only beat, Georgia only beat them by 14, 24 to 10 uh, there. Uh, you know, just the, his style of ball just keeps both teams in the game. Yeah, well, that can be a good thing and a bad thing, I suppose. I mean, so South Carolina got a little bit lucky last year. So they scored 315 points. They gave up 269. And when you look at that point differential, that suggests a seven-and-a-half win team not a nine win team like they were last year. And, you know, so they were a little bit lucky last year. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about that going forward. And, and then with that luck comes an expectation that they will regress to the mean. Now that doesn't mean that they'll, you know, since they won nine and they were supposed to win seven and a half this year, that they'll win five, even though they're supposed to win seven and a half, but it does mean that they're going to come back to the team that they were. And, and I think based on the performance on the field, South Carolina was more of a seven to seven and a half win team, not a nine win team like they did last year. All right, then nothing new uh, for for Will Muschamp. All fits in South Carolina, you know. Even though they have Jake Bentley, who gets a who gets a lot of praise, they were still terrible <laughs> in the SEC. Uh, still no downfield passing game, especially you know they lost Debo Samuel, their big time playmaker, after the first few games of the season. Uh, you know that 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 really hurt that offense. Uh, they had a pass rush on the defensive side that was mediocre, couldn't get into the backfield. Uh, you know, but they found ways. To win games, and I think the main question is just how much can this offense improve? They're not going to blow up a stat sheet. Uh, they're not really going to be this high-powered offense and and hurry up and, and spread everything out. But you know, they'll, it'll open up a little more. You know, come out come out of its shell maybe. Uh, Jake Bentley, that time, now a veteran quarterback. Debo Samuel's back uh, as a as part of a, a progressing wide receiver core. But this is still an offense that scored 17 points or fewer in six of its last 11 games. Still found a way to go 9-4. and four. They fired Kurt Roper, replaced him with Brian McClendon. But is it is it that easy of a fix? No, I don't think so. I think Jake Bentley's gotten kind of a free pass. I mean, his freshman year, he was pretty good. So seven and a half yards in attempt with a 66% completion percentage. So certainly for a true freshman quarterback, particularly one who I think was 17 years old when he was starting, playing very well in the SEC, but then regressed last year, only completed 62% of his passes. His yards per attempt went down from seven and a half to 7.1. His touchdown to interception ratio was virtually the same as it was the year before. So it was nine to four in 2016. It was 18 to 12 last year. His QB rating went down. He's not a runner back there, so he only averaged 1.2 yards per rush. Um, so if you look at the metric I've come up with, yards above replacement, he was a he was negative 0.55. He was below average quarterback last year, and the year before that, he was right around the same. And so, you know, I look at that and just say, from his freshman to his sophomore year, he didn't get much better. That's why Kurt Roper's not there now. The question is, can McClendon get more out of Bentley? If he can then South Carolina might be able to take a step forward. But I think it's a fair question to ask. You know, essentially, he's been below average in the conference and has been sort of carried by his defense and carried by some things that are unsustainable. And if those things start to go the other direction, then South Carolina could be in for a pretty long year. Yeah, he's got you know, he's got the size and the, and the skills. Uh, 12 interceptions last year. Got to calm that down a little bit. But, uh, you know, I mean, can he start averaging, you know, two – 150 yards a game, you know, somewhere around that 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 range uh, to be a better quarterback. 
Um, you know, loses uh, one of his main targets, Hayden Hurst, uh, tied in there, who's at uh, NFL right now. But you got leading receiver Brian Edwards is back. Not sure he'd be the leading receiver uh, if Debo Samuel went and got hurt. But of course, you know Debo Samuel comes back. Also, Ortrey Smith, big target, Shy Smith, uh, the quick little jitterbug type of wide receiver there. Uh, freshman seasons for those guys. But, you know, but with Debo Samuel, Samuel returning, he was unstoppable for he, he he had that leg injury last year uh, on offense and in and, and special teams. The electric playmaker they got there, six, uh, six foot, 210 pounds, made five catches in each of the first three games for 250 yards and three scores, caught two touchdowns, passes against NC State last year, hit Missouri for a rushing touchdown, uh, two kickoff returns for scores. And then it all came to a halt uh, against Kentucky last year. Will, I mean, when you talk about one of the SEC's best playmakers, you can look at Debo Samuel for just a short amount of time that we got to see him play last year. Yeah, well, Samuel, Samuel's certainly a, a difference maker, certainly somebody that they missed last year. And you can see that when you look at Bentley's numbers. His numbers were a lot better the first half of the season than they were the second half. And a lot of that, I'm sure, is attributable to Samuel. Um, but, you know, if your offense is, reliable, is relying on one wide receiver, um, you're always going to have some issues. And really, if you're going to have a a real successful offense, it's going to have to be relying on the quarterback. I think we all recognize that. And so Bentley needed to make adjustments and, and wasn't really able to do so last year when Samuel went out. And, and that's why they struggled and obviously why they have a new offensive coordinator, though that seems to be the uh, – the, the thing Muschamp does is change his offensive coordinators on a fairly regular basis. And you do wonder whether, um, you know, at some point you got to start questioning, is it really the offensive coordinator or is it some of the conservative play calling that Muschamp has to sort of play to his defense? And does he handcuff his offensive coordinators in some respects? And and again, I think we'll see that answer this year with somebody new coming in who, you know, is, is going to be looking to open it up. The question is, is he going to be allowed to? You know, I mean, we kept asking our, <laughs> ourselves that question at Florida. Uh, and, you know, if, if it's continued to having to be asked, you know, his second stop, now his second offensive coordinator, if if, if it's going to be asked one more time, then it ultimately – I mean, look, he's the head coach anyway. It ultimately falls, ultimately falls on his shoulders anyway. But you can't sit here and say it's going to be different. It's kind of the Les Miles disease there. You know, you can sit here and bring in offensive coordinator after offensive coordinator, but eventually it's you. Yeah, well, I mean, we're going to find out in the next year. I mean, you know, this is this is year three for him, and and so we're going to see really what he's got and what he's learned from the previous stop. That was that was the sales pitch, at least when he came into South Carolina, is that he'd had a year to reflect when he went to Auburn, and then had that. And, and then was able to reflect on what he'd done poorly when he was at Florida. And so that was the reasoning for bringing in Roper. So I was a little bit surprised that Roper got let go um, just because at some point, you know, he had said he valued continuity and then clearly um, either didn't or was forced to not value continuity by the powers that be at South Carolina. And, you know, it, it's a lot like a baseball player that they call, you know, quadruple A baseball player. The guy plays really well at triple A and then he gets up to the majors and he just can't perform and, and I do wonder whether Muschamp is that kind of coach where he's a really, really, really overqualified defensive coordinator, but he's not quite good enough to be a head coach. And, and you know, we'll certainly find that out. You know, in the one year at Florida when he looked like a really, really good head coach, that 2012 year, it was built on a strong run game uh, with Mike Gillisley and a strong offensive line. Last year, they didn't really have that. Only 122 yards uh, a game uh, for the season there. 
Uh, but it should be a little deeper there in all junior uh, rotation there. Tyson Williams, uh, leading rusher A.J. Turner uh, can be, you know, guys with, with some home run threat there. Um, Williams bringing more pop. Uh, rushing attack, uh, we you know, they'll probably go with a hot hand seeing as how deep as they are. The offensive line has to come around. Uh, not a dominant offensive line. you got three starters returning there. Uh, but, you know, can they move some pieces around uh, and put the five best guys on the field? That, that, that has to be what they figure out, you know, going into this season. And they'll have to figure it out pretty quick, you know, with that, with that stout Georgia defense coming up in the second game of the season. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So A.J. Turner had 5.4 yards per carry. Tyson Williams had 5.0. Then Rico Dowdle had 3.8. Mon Denson had 3.7. Those are all guys who had over 40 carries. Um, so they split the carries pretty well amongst those guys, but only two of them really had a, a decent average, and two of them had a pretty bad one. And so um, in some capacities, uh, you know, overall their running game was not all that great. Um, you know, Florida, Jordan Scarlett has a 5.0 yard per average um um, average over his career, but Malik Davis was up over seven last year in, in his limited time. And so, you know, and certainly we've looked at the uh, offensive line issues at, at Florida, and, and so that's pretty impressive. And so I don't think any of these guys at running back are game changers. I think, you know, yeah, can they move the chains? Sure. But I don't know that you're necessarily going to get game-changing uh, plays out of them, which means it's going to have to come through the passing game, or it's going to have to come through development on that offensive line, or probably a combination of both. The nice part is, is the, uh, the left guard and then the right tackle and the left tackle are all four-year guys so you got zach bailey dennis daly and blake camper at left guard right tackle and left tackle um donnell staley at center he's a junior um you know four-star guy pretty highly ranked four-star guy actually and so you know there's some talent there on the offensive line there's certainly a lot of experience the question is is the cohesion the cohesion going to help and i do think that you know you mentioned hayden hurst i mean he caught 44 balls last year so he was bentley's safety blanket and has been his safety blanket for the last two years. Question is, who's that guy going to be? I mean, is it going to be Kevin Crosby at tight end? Um, you know, he caught he caught two balls last year and averaged five and a half yards per catch. Um, so who are they going to plug into that tight end role? Because that was really a significant part of the offense last year and the place where Bentley went when he felt like he needed to get a first down. Yeah, and, and part of it, Will, you know, you went back and said, you know, when we kind of started this in the Will Muschamp formula is, you know, maybe uh, keeping it safe, uh, and you know, trying to you know win some games with with the defense there. Uh, but go, going back to last year and what they need to fix on on this year's offense is they, they they didn't win the time of possession battle. They need to stay on the field. They didn't they they, they didn't help their defense out a good bit. The you know, offense stalled a lot. You know, even in games they've won against Tennessee, Florida, and Michigan, uh, they struggled to hit the forty percent mark on third down. So you know, even in games they won, and we go and, and much like. Uh, Will Muschamp uh, and what we've kind of known him to be at Florida and now at South Carolina, it's you know just even even in games that you win, it still looks tough. Well, and I mean that that comes from not being able to move the ball and get easy points. And so you know, offensive yards per play last year they were ranked 84th. Pass yards per play they were ranked 79th. Rush yards per play they were ranked 96th. They didn't run the ball very well. They didn't pass the ball very well. Um, like I said to start this off, they they were a seven and a half win team who got a little bit lucky and was able to win nine. I think you know if if they put up six or seven wins, the the masses in Columbia are going to be a little bit upset with that because I think they're expecting to be able to compete with Georgia. I don't know that that's necessarily a realistic expectation. Um, 
you know, it, it's just not based on <laughs> based on the talent level between the two teams and sort of must champs history on offense. I am not going to bet on an offensive explosion from South Carolina because they brought in a new offensive coordinator. I just think that that the head coach has something to do with selecting that guy, and he's also got something to do with the with the key calls of the game when the game's on the line and trying to decide how aggressive to be. And Muschamp has proven that he doesn't typically get all that aggressive in those situations. All right, we'll move to the other side of the ball here and uh, take, a, take a look at the defense. And, you know, his time at Florida, elite defenses, still kind of looking for, you know, that that stalwart defense uh, in South Carolina. You know, not too many superstars uh, like he had at Florida there, but you know, it, it is Will Muschamp. Defense will be okay. Defense will be fine. Um, but really, really good in taking the ball away last year. They led the SEC, but they had to replace some defensive backs. Have to replace big time linebacker Sky Moore. Uh, so, you know, defensive coordinator Tavares Robinson is going to have his hands full in trying to find a pass rush, get guys behind the line of scrimmage. Uh, as I mentioned, 28 takeaways last year led the SEC in that. Uh, and really at key moments, you know, six starters back on the defense, but they do lose four of the top seven, and seven of the top 12 tacklers are gone from that team last year. Yeah, well, so South Carolina went 6-1 and one last year in one-score games, and really the turnovers are one of the reasons why they do that. So typically one-score games are 50-50 propositions. Most of the time, if you've got seven of those, you're going to go 4-3 and three or 3-4, or three and four, and they went 6-1. and one. So that's, I mean, you know, when we talk about them being a 9-1 team, but their point profile saying they're 7- or 8-win team, that's what we're talking about. And that really comes into turnover. So they had 14 fumble recoveries last year on defense. Um, their opponents had 1.7 fumbles per game, and they lost 1.1 of them. So South Carolina recovered 65% of the fumbles that the offense gave up to them. And typically, again, that's a 50-50 proposition. And then if you look on offense, <laughs> South Carolina had 0.9 fumbles per game. So half as many fumbles as their opponent, and they only lost 0.4 of them. So they, again, were recovering 65% or I'm sorry, 55% of the fumbles on the, on the offensive side. So from a fumble luck perspective, again, that's going to regress to the mean. Um, even if the ball goes on the ground from the opponents, which, you know, whether it will more or less, you know, we can't really tell but the opponent should recover them more often. And so those turnovers that you're talking about are going to dry up this year, I would imagine. And they'll still get a few, but they're only going to get 50% of the recoveries this year instead of 65. And the defense is going to struggle if that's the case. And surprising, coming up with that many turnovers, you would think there'd be more pressure in the backfield. you think there'd be more pressuring of the quarterback that would leave time of the turnovers. But the 26 sacks last year, and that's not a, not a whole lot, Um to 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 as far, to look at as far as a defense that causes a lot of turnovers, I would have thought that number uh, would have been higher. But you know, in doing doing the research here, twenty six sacks was was all they had, and fifteen of the sacks were in three games. Seven of those were against Tennessee, so you know they they they, they didn't have uh, you know, the numbers that usually speak to creating turnovers on defense just wasn't there. So they really, really created their opportunities. And as you said, a lot of luck probably played, played, played into that. Yeah. Well, and like you said, I mean, they didn't get a ton of pressure last year and I'm not sure where the pressure is going to come from this year. So if you look at who Phil Steele's projecting to be their starting 11, there's only 33 tackles for loss returning and only 12 sacks and 13 of those tackles for loss are in the, uh, are, you know, from linebacker Dennis Wanham and six of those sacks. So 50% of the returning sacks are attributable to one guy coming back on defense. Their defensive line, um, Shamik Blackshear, Javon Kinlon, and 
Kair Thomas, you know, two four-star guys and a three-star guy have combined for six and a half tackles for loss and two sacks in their careers thus far. And so, or at, at least that's what they combined for last year. So, you know, there's not a lot of proven depth on that on that defensive line. That's one of the areas where you'd really like to see explosion. I'm not seeing it when I look at those guys, but a lot of it is just playing time. Um, so maybe maybe one of them turns out to be a star. But as of right now, looking at it, they're going to be hard pressed to get a whole lot of pressure. They don't have a lot of experience coming back on defense, so I think they only have four returning starters. Um, you know, we've seen at Florida what happens when you only have four returning starters, even when they're really really talented. And the South Carolina defense is decently talented. There's one, two, three, four, four-star guys, but then there's a two-star guy and the rest are three-star guys. So it's not, it's not, you know, it's not Georgia, it's not Auburn, it's not Alabama. It's it's South Carolina. And and you know, we should see that this year some. There should be some holes. Yeah, I'll i definitely want to look at DJ Wanham as that as well. Six five, two fifty-eight. Uh kind of an all-around lineman there, but you know, more of a defensive end, active guy. Uh, led the team six sacks, 13 tackles, and fourth on the team with 57 stops. So you'd think he would take that next step and be in uh, a more of a, an explosive player there. Uh, we got Bryson, Bryson Allen Williams kind of maybe taking over for Sky Morgan. Uh, you know, he missed uh, last year with, with most of it. He missed most of last year with a shoulder injury there. Can play a lot of positions at the linebacker position. But yeah, TJ Brunson, that's the guy that you really got to look out for in a linebacker position. Second team of stops with 88. Uh, 88 stops there. So, uh, looking at Bryson Allen Williams and TJ Brunson, what they bring there at, at linebacker, you know, with Wanham and those two guys, I think they got some pieces in that front seven to, to make some noise there. Sure. I mean, they're not, they're not terrible. And certainly Muschamp has, has proven that he's going to get a lot out of his defense, but you know, he got a lot out of his defense last year that had a lot to do with luck. So, you know, I mentioned the six and one record in, in close games. He he won forty seven percent of those in his time at Florida and his first two years at South Carolina. And so I, I don't think we can expect that this year. Um, there's just not a proven track record on the defensive side of the ball, but that's what you would expect when you lose nine starters. And so, um, you know, I think the defense is going to take a step back just based on experience, and we'll see whether they take a step back based on talent. But uh, you know, they're not a they're they're not a um, you know, it's not like they don't have any talents. So the defensive line has a 24-7 average of 90.5. That's only about a point less than Florida. The linebackers are at 87.6, so a little bit less, and the DBs are at 86.8, so a little bit less as well. So they have the talent in the right spots because you want more talent on the defensive line. If you had to choose, you'd want your defensive linemen to be better because that sort of frees up the linebackers and the DBs to do what they need to do. It gives you some more multiplicity. You can do a few more things with uh, your defensive formations, but um, you know, it's not a murderer's row, but there's some very good players there. And obviously Muschamp has proven that he can coach up a defense no matter where he's been. Yeah. I'll also look at for uh nickelback, Jemias Williams, who probably might play safety there at 38 tackles last year, but after they lose Chris Lamont and DJ Smith, uh, probably look at for Lamont to get, you know, some uh, moved around in that secondary and maybe a, a look at safety there, but well, you know, uh, being around at SEC media days and stuff, there was a lot of South Carolina talking stuff. Uh, going around, you know, can they upset Georgia week two? Uh, that's going to be a big game to get them at home. But the closer I look at this team and, you know, all the turnovers they created last year, but still struggling a lot on offense and, and what they lost, they do get Debo Samuel back. I really like him. So can he kind of make up for the loss of, uh, of Hayden Hurst and kind of be that security blanket for, for Bentley? And the more I looked at this team, <laughs> the less impressed I got. 
<laughs> yeah, I expect them to be a seven and sixteen this year. I mean, that's that's my expectation. I think they're going to be worse on defense. I think they're going to come back to the pack a little bit in terms of the the close games. I think Muschamp is going to remain Muschamp, and so he's going to continue to try to pound the ball, even if he doesn't have the players to do that. And and I think that's probably going to cause some issues this year. And and I, I, I don't get the buzz. I mean, all the underlying metrics. In fact, I mean, maybe you figure that they can get Georgia in that second game if Georgia's still sort of on a hangover from the national championship game last year. But, I mean, I think Georgia's going to be chomping at the bit for the first real game of the year because their opener, obviously, is, is, is no great shakes in Athens this year. So um, it's really sort of the opener. It's the first road game. They want to go out and prove something. And I think the team that might have an opportunity to get Georgia is probably Missouri a couple, a couple of games later. I think Missouri's a better team than South Carolina. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see how it plays out on the field. Yeah, you were going where I was going next. Uh, yeah, this is our last SEC East opponent that we're going to preview so, you know, after looking, you're going through Florida's camp and seeing what we know about South Carolina now, seeing what we know about Missouri now, i tell you what, this, this battle for second behind Georgia, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out between Florida, South Carolina, and Missouri because after going through and, and looking at these previews, I think, that are, those, I think those are the three teams. I'm not ready to put Kentucky up there, not ready to put Tennessee up there. I think it's Florida, Missouri, and South Carolina – battling out for the second spot. And, you know, I can, I can, I can definitely see where any one of these teams can be picked second. Yeah. I think a lot of it's going to come down to quarterback play, right? I mean, South Carolina has the guy who's coming in in his third year. If he can take us, you sort of know what you're going to get, which is a little bit worse than a game manager thus far, but if he can turn into somebody, you know, if he can play like Jake Fromm did last year, especially towards the end of the year, then South Carolina can be really good. You look at Missouri, they got Drew Locke, the question is, can they stop anybody? <laughs> when we just don't know the answer to that question, they certainly have quite a bit of talent on the defensive line at Missouri, but you know, we'll see whether that actually translates. Um, Florida, I think, has the most talent of those three teams by far. The question is, is it is the fit within Mullen's offense good enough that uh, you know that Florida is going to be able to take that step forward? And again, quarterback play is is our Franks or Trask or whoever ends up starting going to be um, the guys who can lead them to that second place, or maybe even get close to Georgia if Georgia gets picked off by a couple of people throughout the year. I I wouldn't dismiss Tennessee. I I actually think if you're going to look at second in the in the conference, it probably comes down to Tennessee, Florida, and Missouri. Um, I know Tennessee went zero and eight last year in the conference, but certainly I think they had some of the same things that Florida did last year when it came to giving up on your coach and sort of him leaving and just sort of, you know, all right, well, I don't need to play that hard anymore because the coach isn't going to be here anymore. Um, you know, their quarterback is still a huge question. Obviously, they've got Keller Christ coming in as a transfer, um, but they've got a talent profile very, very similar to Florida's. And, you know, we'll see. I don't know anything about Pruitt. In terms of his ability to be a head coach, certainly I think Mullen has a better tr or has a longer track record. But you know, we'll see whether uh, whether this is one Alabama assistant who turns out like some of the Florida Alabama assistants, or or whether he turns into another Kirby. We're certainly going to have to hope he's more Muschamp and McIlwain <laughs> than he is Kirby. And uh, and you know, we'll see. Yeah. All right. That's been our South Carolina opponent preview. Uh, you can check out all the other ones as well, uh, all the opponents up to this point in the schedule. And next up, Will, the hated Florida State Seminoles. Oh, man, I, I hear that stupid chant in my sleep. Like, 
<laughs> the day they retire, that'll be like one of the best days of my life. So, uh, yeah, I can't even watch the Braves because they turned that thing on. So I know I'm a Braves fan too. And I play that thing. I'm just like, no, no. <laughs> I, I, I remember going to Braves games. Like, no, I'm not. I'm not doing the chop. Sorry. <laughs> I might have my Braves gear on, but I'm, I'm still not doing it. Well, I just like that. So there was something on social media the other day about the Braves having a Florida Gator day where they yeah. were giving away Gator hats. And I'm like, that's a brave thing to do up in Atlanta, giving away Florida stuff. So Gator Nation has infiltrated Atlanta, and uh, and it's good to see. Give them hell up there. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. That's Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at WillMilesSEC and his work at readandreaction.com. You can look for his uh, SEC East preview going up pretty soon there. And also – uh, check out Gators Breakdown on newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. I'm your host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore S-E-C. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>